breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. We have uh, Cato Bozier Port Director Eric England joining us. Eric, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. We're, we're doing well. This is kind of interesting. Uh, there's a proposition, or you guys are doing studies to do a like a, a service road that will connect the port of Cato Bozier to I forty nine. Where, where are we on that project? We're well underway on a project we've been working on for several years. Uh, many in the community know about the Interstate 69 project and how they've reached a record of decision for that segment going through our area. But there's also a service road within that area. And so while I-69 is a multi-billion dollar project, we looked at a project that was measured in the millions of dollars that could be achieved in a matter of just a few years, and that's the I-69 service road that today is going to connect the port of Cato Bossier, more specifically to I-49 at Louisiana 3276, an existing Louisiana highway. So we're going to use some existing right-of-way uh, near Highway 1 and near I-49 to help keep the project at a minimal cost and, and not you know get out of sight. That's the Stonewall Frierson exit, is that right? That's the Stonewall Frierson for those. There's a car dealership there just related to everybody. So imagine a 10-mile route connecting the port to I-49 there and alleviating alleviating traffic of Burtunes and Florida Lucas Road that folks use today. I mean, some 50,000 truck loads a year coming in. So that's like 100,000 truck trips minimum coming in and out of the port. Now, not all of them are going to use it, but it'll certainly help. We know that the, the the ground transportation community will love this direct shot to get to an interstate. Some of these trucks, Eric, they can't use Flournoy Lucas, correct? Because they may be carrying hazardous materials and it's not allowed. Is right. that true? That's, oh, yeah, that's right. And now, when you say hazardous, let's just make it where everybody understands oil, for example, oil products that go to the area refineries. That's hazardous. There's no, like, what I would consider, you know, nuclear waste or anything that, when we say hazardous, that tends to, you know, give folks a little uneasy. Right. Mainly it's oil products, petrochemical products. But, yeah, you can't you can't transport those on Florida Lucas Road, which is, that, that's just what the, the situation is. That's fine. They take cartoons now. They have ever since the port's been op- in operation. But the service road will allow that and we'll, we'll be able to bypass that traffic onto the service road and get them to I-49 sooner. Talking with Eric England, uh, Director, Port Caddo Bossier. Eric, I don't think a lot of people even realize the importance and the value of the port to our community. That was uh, It was allowed to be established after the dredging of the Red River. And uh, tell us about, like, you know, the number of jobs that you provide through the port and the companies that are that are involved in that in your area there. Real simply, our investment measures in the billions when you take into account the public and private. The citizens have invested in the port since 1993. And when I say the citizens, I mean 
all the citizens of Caddo and Bossier parishes, and their investment has returned just in our public investment at the port some three hundred million dollars. So we parlayed that three hundred million into billions of dollars. Every day where 2,000-plus people show up for work at a minimum, that doesn't include all the indirect jobs, the four-to-one indirect jobs. So another 8,000 indirect jobs as a result of the 2,000 direct employees at the Caddo Bossier Port. The the service road project connecting the port to I-49, what is the cost of that and how is that going to be funded? Pre-COVID, our numbers, we, we had raised 100% of the money locally, uh, Bossier City, Caddo Parish, DeSoto Parish, the Port, and Elkog. It was in the $32 million range with the state providing half of that through federal funds. So it was a $32.5 million project before COVID. We don't know the exact dollar amount right now because we're out for proposals to for the engineering work so that we can get the exact dollar amount. I anticipate we're in-house figuring double with what we've seen in terms of construction price. So it'll be in the 60-plus million dollar range. Does this follow the route that Stonewall Frierson Road, whatever the road is called, I forget, does does the road exist all the way to the port or nearly to the How much of it will actually be completely new construction? Yeah. So think about it like this. For those that know the area of the LSU Pecan Research Station, that's mm-hmm. Robson Road, yeah. about mm-hmm. where it intersects mm-hmm. Highway 1. Mm-hmm. Robson Road, let's just call it to about Ellaby Road, will be the footprint for the road between Highway 1 and Ellaby Road. And then LA 3276, uh, only for a portion. You know, it, And then so the area in between those two roadway segments i just said will be new construction talking with eric england cataboja port eric um will there be any homes or anybody displaced through the construction of this that's that's part of this process that we are going out for for bids right now is we're going out for bids for the engineers to hire so that they can tell us those details and facts Mm -hmm. what is in the proposed path does the path need to be, for example, as a result of that study, we'll begin to examine alignments and do those alignments need to shift a few hundred feet this way, a few hundred feet that way to avoid a business or a home or, or those types of things. Those details will be fleshed out as a result of that professional report that we get back. Now, I don't expect to see anything of I-69 in my lifetime. I mean, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just, that's a, that's a ways away. When do you expect or hope to have this uh, this 10-mile stretch of road completed? Yeah, we're measuring it in years, not decades, like interstate systems are measured. We, this is a realistic project. It's one that's necessary. I'm measuring it in years. In fact, we have staff on, on the port staff who are dedicated just to this project to push it as quickly as possible. I see this road as kind of cool, too, for the folks that live maybe in South Bossier. If you're coming back from South Louisiana, you you jump on this road, get on the, um, go up the, the um, East Kings, and then hop over the Jimmy Davis Bridge. A big shortcut for them, too, right? And it is a big shortcut. You're correct. And if the, the toll bridge is built, it could be even shorter. Great news. And more jobs coming to the port likely as a result of this road and and everything else you're doing out there, right? No doubt. 
we've purchased 2,000 additional acres in the last few years within or, or in the area of this I-59 service road. I had a prospect in our office yesterday that represents a $350 million capital investment, 650 employees. It's a good who? time. Who? I know you yeah. can tell us yeah. who, right? <laughs> I'd love to tell you if I could, but there are lots of them, Aaron. It's amazing how much, how much activity there is. But if the port, if the port completes what we spent the past few decades doing in in terms of taking raw land and making it shovel shovel ready greenfield site, we're just repeating the model. We we joke around and say it's like the back of a shampoo bottle. We're just rinsing and repeating this this two thousand acres that we purchased is almost identical to the last 2,000 acres that we developed. And we know that if you invest like the citizens have invested in this port, you buy the land, you install the water, the sewer, the electricity, the natural gas, the roads, the railroad, the tenants will come. The the prospects will be in your office wanting your land. And that's the way that's it's evidence and it's proven for us. Eric England, Catabozier Port. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Congratulations. It's exciting news. Thank you for working with us. We Thanks. appreciate you message. You bet. Bye-bye. 101.7 FM. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Kind of some sad news to report this morning. Mm-hmm. Randy Meisner died. Yep. One of the founding members of the Eagles, right? One of the original founding members. If you haven't seen, by the way, the history of the Eagles, the two-part documentary, incredible. It it really is. It's just so fascinating. You don't even have to be a huge Eagles fan to enjoy Mm -hmm. it, but it it certainly helps. Um, But the feud, Randy, you know, his famous song was um, um, Take It to the Limit. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was hitting those high notes, and he got he got really scared about singing it, right. afraid he, you know. And, and there are times you know, a singer you, you're not going to hit them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember D- Diana Ross was on. Now she's eighty years old, but I, I I looked at Dina during that concert a few years ago at, at the um, municipal. I was I there. Said, Look at that! I said she's not hitting those high notes. No, she, she had wasn't. three singers. Backup singers, and I said there was they were a, handling there it. was one of those ladies in that in that group that was hitting those high notes. They were absolutely. So Randy was nervous about, and and it, it, they, they apparently got into it, man. And mm. it's it's but it's 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 sad. He was what seventy seven, seventy seven years old, COPD, uh, which is interesting. Which was he a smoker? I would I'm assume. Sure, yeah, probably. he was a rock star in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got a point. <laughs> You know, you just think 77, it's just too young these days. And it gets younger and younger, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Dr. Martha White going to join us coming up about 640 this morning. Back to school. What vaccines do your kids need? We'll find out. Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I was pulling into the driveway yesterday afternoon. I didn't get home until about 
Okay. And my wife texted me. She was going walking with a friend, and she and then she texted me and she said, "By the way, are you going to the meeting? Oh, the public safety meeting? Oh, yeah. And I had forgotten all about it. Uh oh. And I was tired. Mm-hmm. And I. You showed up. You showed up. I'm impressed. I did. I did. I went in the house, said hey to the dog, got my helmet, and I rode the bike up over there. I'm glad I went, though. I came right out of the pool, and I feel so bad. (laughs) I I looked like a scraggly woman, and I was wet, and I had dried off some. Actually, you didn't. I I didn't? Okay. Yeah. I had dried off some. You look better than you do now. Um (laughs) Okay. You know what I have over here for ammo today, right? Yeah, no, don't forget it. Never mind. You look wonderful. You're sparkling. You're glowing. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. (laughs) Back to school just around the corner. In fact, just a matter of days. Mm -hmm, Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Martha White going to join us talking about what vaccines are needed for back. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Dr. Martha White, uh, Region 7 Medical Director. Doctor, good morning. Happy Friday. You got it, you got it right. <laughs> wow. He was, he was, he was, I was surfing. I was studying. Yeah, I he was, was stalking making sure. you. Thank you. Uh, Martha, let me, let me ask you. I don't, I don't know if the rules are different. What, we're a couple of weeks now away from school. I think August 7th for some. What are the requirements with regard to vaccines for children going back to school? So, you know, we have our infant requirements, which unfortunately um, we have low vaccination rates for our little little babies, you know, up to 12 months. They get them. At, we all remember our, our, child, our children getting shots at two, four, six months, and then again at 12 months, mm-hmm. 18 months. Um, a lot of our children are not fully vaccinated on that schedule. By four, there's another round of vaccinations that they need, and those all have to be up to date in order to start school. Um, so there's a list of requirements. I can go through them all. It's a lot. It's, you know, they have to have their diphtheria, pertussis, um, and tetanus, their hepatitis vaccines, or polio, measles, mumps, and rubella, and, their, and chickenpox mm-hmm. vaccines. Um, and so it's important that you see if you have a child starting school at four that they are up to date with their vaccines. If they have to be four before they can get their four year old shot. How do you, how do you check the, the, that? I mean, is it, are the records kept somewhere where you can go look for your child, your pediatrician? What if you've had some done in one state or, you know what I mean? What if there's been kind of a mix up, a mix on who's been doing them all? So, um, Usually parents have a vaccination record if they've had them done somewhere else. We can put them into the Louisiana um, registry links is what it's called so that we can have you kept up to date from there on. We have a lot of, especially with Barksdale, we have a lot of people who may have a variety of places they got shots and we can organize that and put it into a simple shot record for you. 
Um, and it, your pediatrician can do that. The health units can do that. Family practice docs, any of those providers can help you get that accomplished. Now, if you have a youngster going back to school or just starting school, you can do the shots at the health units. Are they from completely free for everyone? So the health units really do vaccines um, only for children who are VFC. So VFC requirements are that you're 18 or under, that you have either no insurance or underinsured, meaning your vac- your insurance doesn't cover vaccines. Um, there's a very small amount of vaccine for um, people who have insurance, which that's really new for us. We have a very, like, very small amount. So you might be able to call and get an appointment for those um, doses. Really, the best place if you have insurance that covers your vaccine is to call your primary care provider, your pediatrician, your family practice doc. Or, you know, David Rains, any of those mm-hmm. places as well. Now, lawmakers were talking about um, changing the law with regard to students that are in school and exemptions. What are the exemptions right now? If you, I, I know you have religious exemptions for vaccines, and I believe you also have uh, medical exemptions. Is that still the law? You still, you still have both of those exemptions. That's correct. And it requires, so if you have a medical issue, for example, that your doctor feels really that you should not have a certain vaccine for a medical issue, they simply write you a letter that that you take to the school. If you have religious reasons, you can simply write a letter and explain why you have uh, are requesting a religious exemption, and those will be accepted. And we do really want to encourage parents to if their children are able to have the vaccine, not for a medical issue. Of course, that's something we don't want to mess with. But really to consider vaccinating your children because it really does help all of us stay healthy if we vaccinate our children, Mm -hmm. not just our own children. You know, there's the whole anti-vax crowd. I I mean, what do you say to those (laughs) people? I heard her grumbling. What was she mumbling? (laughs) She was grumbling. What do you say? What do you say to those folks? So, you know, everybody has a right to how they feel about something and to their opinions. I hope they really read the reputable science. The vaccines that we use are highly tested. They have excellent data. They're very safe. There was a a study that came out several, several years ago from a gentleman who, you know, that started the whole idea of autism. That which led to this whole anti-vaccine movement to begin. And that study was completely debunked. And in fact, the study was removed from the literature. It was found to be so untrue. Mm. So um, a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. You can have your opinions, but just really try to make sure you're getting your sources from a reputable place that you're really reading the science and understanding because it is so very important. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember some of these vaccine-preventable diseases. You know, haemophilus influenza, that vaccine came out right as I was starting on the war, on the um, wards in the hospital, and we used to see a lot of babies with H flu in uh, meningitis who, if they survived, a lot of them lost their hearing because mm. of the treatment for it. And okay. so, and then now, 
we never see that. It's right. gone. But, so, but regardless of how one might feel about the, and I don't even want to say the word, <laughs> the COVID vaccine, you can't dispute what vaccines have done when you look at polio, mumps, you know, the MMR vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously they they have served, they've eradicated certain things. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, again, regardless of how you feel about the, the, mm-hmm. the, the COVID vaccine and, and people. Yeah, I don't even want to go there. Uh, that that vaccine's not required for school, correct? You don't have no. to have the COVID vaccine to go back to school this year. No, you don't. Okay. And, um, and that's really important because that was something that was put on the table and quickly taken off um, because people had such strong feelings about it. And um, and and that's, that's great. You need to make your decisions for your children. But you also, again, like I said, many times... In the times we talked, we can't just think about ourselves. We have to think about our community. And, you know, we saw some polio cases up in New York because vaccination rates have dropped around the country. And so we're really trying to encourage people to, to really talk to your pediatrician, talk to your doctors, make sure you have good information because it is so very important mm-hmm. to not allow these diseases to come back. We don't want to see polio again. We don't want to see yeah. um, meningitis in these little bitty babies or, or pertussis. If you have ever seen a baby with pertussis, it's just horrendous. Most of us uh, of a certain age have a scar on our yeah. left shoulder. Yeah, we do. What What is that from? But I know it was vaccines that we got in school. The big I remember, I remember that big gun, that shot they put on our shoulder. What so was- some of us got per, um, smallpox vaccines. Some of us got, um, uh, you know, we used to go and get, I, I can't remember. I got that too. I, still- <laughs> I think <laughs> I still it was a cocktail, it. wasn't it? Maybe a cocktail. It was. Yeah. It was. And, and it's like really um, interesting that we all got it with the same gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Lord have mercy. Got to do next week. We got to talk about this heat with you because we are headed for, it looks like five or six straight days of 100 degree temperatures, which is for our area, that's a health risk, definitely. Dr. Martha White, thanks for your time. Thank you. And please make sure that you check your vaccination status before, you know, as soon as possible so you can know whether your kids need something. It's hard to get an appointment sometimes you, at a short date. Dr. White, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank y'all. What a way- Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Ha! Okay, we, we just, Chica, our, one of our cohorts, mm-hmm. we, we got to get her back in here later this morning. I know. We got to talk UFOs with she her. She was talking about the aliens, mm-hmm. and, and she said, and I quote her, my Hispanic panic is kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> You've actually seen a UFO? Is that true? Oh, well, my my dad lived in Tucson. Oh, were you when when I was? Drinking? No, I was still. We were like thirteen, fourteen years old. Oh, okay. Twelve, twelve, eleven. Mm-hmm. No, I was six. No, four. I was two years old. Uh, no. <laughs> so my what did it look and like? I were walking around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now in Tucson, there's like three Air Force bases. Right. So Mountain, yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, some big Air Force bases there. More than mm-hmm. one. Right. So it could have, I mean, but we saw something we didn't recognize. Okay. And uh, 
so you know, I don't, I don't think it was an alien object. Well, lots as of far attention. as an outer space object. You've got these big time Air Force guys that are now testifying that yes, they do exist. There is evidence. Um, I brought up yesterday. It's interesting to me when the poop hits the fan. Yeah. For the current Biden administration, all of a sudden there's a distraction. Right. And now it's aliens and UFOs. UFOs over here. Look over here. We've got now, we've got incontrovertible proof of Biden's guilt and he's on tape. Mm -hmm. Oh, look! UFOs! (laughs) We have biologics! (laughs) We have bodies! We have evidence. Forget about Biden and Hunter and uh, all that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Oh, boy. Coming up uh, just after the local news, uh, Clay Walker was on the panel last night in the uh, juvenile crime prevention meeting held at the YMCA. And uh, he's going to join us and talk about uh, some interesting. He brought up an interesting thing about COVID mm-hmm. that I, that I want to talk to him about. We'll ask him how he liked driving on Night Street, too. 1017. <laughs> One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with us this morning, Cato Parish. Let me, let me I want to make sure I get this absolutely right. Assistant administrator. That's not difficult. And by the way, congratulations, because this is a new position for you. It Clay is Walker. Th- it is. Thank you. Thank you. I was uh director of juvenile services for twelve years. Yeah, and I was uh, back in June promoted to the assistant administrator. Now Aaron and I were at the meeting last night. Uh, I got there at five thirty. You brought up something. This is the the juvenile crime prevention meeting. Uh, It was you, Sheriff Prater, Police Chief Wayne Smith, and Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault on the panel. You brought up something to me that was very interesting and about COVID and the COVID response and the numbers on the effect that sending all of the school children home for 18 months... And, and, and the effect that had explained that a little bit, what you said last night. Sure, sure. Happy to. Um, for a number of children, particularly children in poverty, uh, if they can't afford to join Cabosa, they can't play Little League, they don't have, um, you know, a dance troupe, whatever, this is boys and girls, but um, if they can't do all of that, then, then the, the school day and the professionals in the school building are their village. That's their access to, you know, coaches, assistant principals, the school resource officers, uh, just positive role models in their life. And so for 18 months that they're home in COVID, they don't have access to that. And so... So you've got an impressionable 14-year-old young boy that has, like you said, there was, and there were also some interesting figures about... uh, parental involvement yeah so unfortunately what ends up happening is that more children were vulnerable to gangs because mm-hmm. of that so normally we have a number of kids that are vulnerable if they don't have a father figure and they don't have that male role model in their life they're going to be vulnerable to the 19 year old on the street corner come covid when they're not in school for eight hours a day they're on that street corner with that 19 year old for yeah. two years and that blows up our numbers in gangs and, and we're seeing we're and we're with. seeing that now that's what and and the whole country i was saying last night i'm on a zoom meeting there are 13 juvenile detention centers in louisiana and i'm on a zoom meeting once a month with all of them 
and all 13 juvenile detention centers, guns, gangs, and social media. That's the problem that everybody's having. And you're and you're stressing over every day, who do we let out to take in this next guy? I mean, that's a problem for everybody. It, it's a problem in a lot of detention centers. You know, when I say there's 13, that means whatever the math is on that, there's there's 50 plus. Uh, parishes that don't even have a juvenile detention center. So where do they send their kids? It's it's a stressor on everybody in the juvenile system to try to find you know when a kid does need to be locked up, where do we where do we put them? They didn't allow questions from the audience last night. What was your takeaway from last night's meeting? Do you think they're positive, negative? Could have done things differently. What was your takeaway? I mean, from my point of view, so I care obviously this is my job I mean I care about this work I would have stayed there for five hours if people wanted to talk um, it was I think a good start I think it was good information I think having the mayor the chief police the sheriff you're talking about a, you know a collective experience there and knowledge that really where they could share some information but I think in an hour and a half it's tough to get the information across when it's complicated Clay, um, so Clay, I thought it was a good start Clay it's a you know it's a big problem when you look at the United Way numbers of folks living in poverty or at that poverty level what what what, i forget the term they call it alice that yes we have a huge percent of our population of folks that if they have a a mom and or dad in the home that 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 person or those people are struggling and they don't have time for the extra things for their children but because our numbers in that group are so high that's also a contributing factor that is probably the contributing factor that we're dealing with is that you've got a single mom with a, a list of things to do that are 18 items long. And the first five are life and death. Their housing, their domestic violence, their substance abuse. That She's dealing with so many serious issues that are caused in part by poverty. And so getting the kids school uniform, getting them to school and the details that it takes to get a, a kid, you know, functional at school. Uh, frankly, our, just our second chair to to her life and death things that she's dealing with. So we have a lot of children who are going to school and and effectively, I mean, raising themselves. It, what I deal with is single moms that are working two jobs, so they're not home at three to help with reading and homework and all the other things that it takes. Okay, that's a huge, huge problem because you, this is not your first rodeo. It's not my first rodeo, nor Mike's. We've been through this, you know, every year, every other year. We're going to pray. We're going to, you know, lock more people up. We're going to have more police presence. But we have to work on that other end, the things that we're talking about. What are some things that you suggest that you've been at the juvenile system for a long time? What are some things that we can do to help on that other end, to help with those moms that just can't read to their kids? Yeah, I, w- I would say, I mean, I, I appreciate the prayer meetings. I think we need it's a it's a it's a both and I need all of that because I think that inspires the community to come together. And so all of that is good. But I do agree you need the work on the other end. The work on the other end right now, I'll say, is the harbor. The harbor is this one-stop shop that we're opening. It's a joint effort. The city of Shreveport, the school board, and the parish commission all coming together. Uh, Volunteers for Youth Justice runs it. It's a one-stop shop, and the bottom line is where that single mother can be referred for help. So if she has a list of 18 things on her list of things to do, she can get 10 of them done under one roof. And then she appreciates it. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you're coming in and I'm, I'm I'm wagging my finger at her, you know, you need parenting classes, she's going to be defensive. When? She'll put up a, a wall up. Mm-hmm. But if she's walking in and I'm saying, look, I can help you. I can help with the domestic violence. I can help with the housing. I can help with food stamps. I can help with everything you need. Then she opens up and is more willing to accept the help and, and, and make some efforts on her end to, to better herself. We're talking with Clay Walker, Cata Parish Assistant Administrator. Can you hold on with us for a, a, another segment? Again, like last night, I got all the time you need. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll be back after the break. 1017. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. We're talking with Cato Parish Assistant Administrator Clay Walker in studio with Mike and McCarty. Uh, Carla Bunton, the Director for Compassion for Lives, they had several speakers last night that addressed the crowd. She said uh, a statement that I couldn't agree more with, that, that they've discovered education is the key. And she gave some examples of, of success stories that they've gotten, you know, 16, 17-year-olds out of, uh, or, or young men out of CCC and been able to turn them around, get a job, and they've gotten their first apartment. But, you know, you know we, we got a message that said gangs are recruiting from in the home. These kids are being recruited in the fourth grade. We've got to start. How, how do you address that? Well, I would say, and Carla's fantastic. She works right in the trenches, and she knows the folks that we're that we're talking about. Um, education is the key because once they see that light, once they see a path that they can take that's a healthier path, uh, the good news is, I mean, a lot of these guys do take that. But but what's a little sad and scary is they've not seen that before. They don't see a path that I work with fourth and fifth graders that their entire mindset is, I'm not going to make it past twenty. So there is no long-term planning, no long-term thinking. What is the point of getting a high school diploma so that I can work a minimum wage job? I can get a minimum wage job by dropping out in the 10th grade. So there's no – that they've got to see that light and they've got to see that path to to want to work toward that. And education is the one, what shines that light. There are a lot of folks, Clay, when talking to Clay Walker, he's the assistant Caddo Parish administrator, who say, um, you know, lock them up. Throw away the key. That'll keep all these criminals, you know, off the streets, and we'll solve this problem. That's the way to solve it. What do you say to that? Uh, one of the messages I was trying to get across last night is this is another part that I think is kind of a both and. We do need to lock up the guys that are pulling triggers, that are pulling guns, violent crime, that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, and, uh, you know, you don't take any joy in it, but that what is what prison is for. Got people that are committing violent crimes and that are unsafe on the streets do need to be locked up. Now, they do need good rehabilitation on the inside, so when they get out, they're better, but they do need to be locked up. The The point, though, is is that that alone won't solve the problem. We I've, I've been to several trainings around the country, and I've met with people from L.A. to New York to Chicago, and a 100% theme that I've learned from all these major cities is you cannot arrest your way out of this. Mm. So it's not a matter of lock them up and throw away the key and it's all going to get better. We do need to lock up the guys that are committing violent crimes. But more importantly, maybe, we have to really focus on the younger kids for the prevention end. When you've got a population of roughly 20,000 children that are living in poverty, if we all we do is lock up, Poverty will continue to supply more young offenders, and all we'll do is continue to lock up. Mm. 
You made a comment during the break. You said, you know, these 16 and 17-year-olds, I mean, we know they're knuckleheads. I was I, When I was 16, 17, my brain wasn't developed. It's still not fully developed, but you weren't, you're not listening to adults. What is, what is, you say prison isn't a deterrent anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. They, they look at it as a rite of passage now. Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of kids, prison is not the deterrent that, that maybe it used to be. Um, they see a lot of grown-ups in their lives that have been through time in prison, and so they don't see it as a stigma in the same way. Um, that is definitely one of the things we're dealing with. Uh, you know, again, if they're committing violent crimes, that's unfortunately the tool we're going to use because the public needs to be safe. But if we can reach them the, the one way at sixteen seventeen, find what they are interested in. They've got to decide when they want to make a change in their life. If you can find something positive they're interested in and, and, and offer them that path, they'll take it. Clay, there are people listening to you today saying, is there anything I can do? What can I do in yes. my little neck of the woods? There are a lot of things you all mentioned last night. You need a lot of help. You, particularly, you need men, right? Yes, yes, 100%. We need more male mentor figures. We need role models for these young because primarily we are dealing with young men. Probably about 80% of the kids in juvenile are going to be our, our boys. Um, there are a lot of ways right now. I mean, v, Volunteers of America, Volunteers for Youth Justice, a lot of the programs we we're talking about last night. But I think the exciting news is the Shreveport Police are doing a strategic plan. The second goal of that plan is prevention. And in that plan that's rolling out right now, Assistant Chief Antoine White is in charge of that plan, and, and he's going to roll out some things that we're going to do as a community. And what we're going to try to do is have some very specific ways that the community can get involved. At, at the end of the day, we're going to need to be able to put the 14-year-old that's having struggles, I need to put him on a baseball team. I need to put him in the Cub Scouts. I need mm. to put him somewhere where he has positive peers and adult role models. And we're gonna. It's gonna take volunteers to do that. It's you, gonna take. You said last night, and this is something that that just really hit me for some reason. Last night, uh, they can't afford programs like Cabosa, and there's no transportation. If I won the lottery, mm-hmm. I would love to establish a program that would pay these fees for, and it doesn't have to be. You know, sports particularly. That's going to be a, a gateway for a, a lot, obviously. You know, uh, cabosa, uh, swimming, um, theater, um, you know. Guitar lessons. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that they don't have access to. Several years that, ago, that I would love to be able to go yeah. look. That is, let's the, get you involved. That's the solution. Several years ago, I was at Booker T. Washington doing a listening session with the kids there, just hearing what's going on in their lives because I'm old and it's been a minute since I was in high school. <laughs> He's so, old. Yeah, I know. So they, uh, what I what I learned from those young men, I, I left that meeting with this clear message that there's nothing healthy for them to do in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. These guys that I was listening to were playing basketball at BTW. They were happy because they could play basketball. All of their friends that were not great athletes were on the street corners and they were dying. So Mm. there was nothing for them to do. But then I go home and my wife says, you can't even put down your keys. We got to take the son here. You got to get the daughter there. My mom's picking up the, all four grandparents were all transporting, you know, what it takes to get two kids to all those events. And I left that, you know, discussion with my wife realizing there's a ton to do for kids in Treeport. Mm, absolutely. But you got to have the entry fee mm-hmm. and the transportation. You yeah. bet. And these kids don't. And so without that, they don't have those mentors. 
I mean, all of the coaches and the ministers and the choir directors, and you're right, it's not just athletes, it's arts, it's dance, it's creative writing, whatever they're good at, whatever mm-hmm. sparks their interest, if we can offer to them. And I think the good news is it's not going to take the lottery. Uh, right, right now, we're getting this, the city, the school board, the parish commission, the sheriff, the DA, the DCFS, everybody's coming to the table and saying, we've got to figure out a way, maybe use our SPAR facilities, use community renewal, you, you know, the friendship house, anything. Where can we get these kids access to healthy, you know, uh, recreational activities mm-hmm. so they have those mentors? Clay Walker, thanks for coming in. Hundred percent. Hope we'll do it again soon. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. One hundred and one. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on one hundred and one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. Aaron, when I first got hired at Channel Three, this is nineteen in the late Mm nineties. Okay, you had to know. You had to be at the top of your game to get in the door at Channel 3. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you didn't start your broadcast career at, at Channel 3. And they paid big money. And I mean, yeah, big salaries. Things have changed in media. I mean, for us, for uh, newspapers, TV, I mean, it's changed dramatically. Well, there 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 is no local newspaper anymore. Even. No, and you're, and you're seeing and the... My, we had two. And and it really is disappointing. You're kind of seeing the, you know, a little bit of the historical brain drain going, too, from some of the media folks. And I had something happen. And look, I'm the first to screw stuff up. I will screw stuff up better than oh, I, anybody. You, you know I'll make a mistake. And, and, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll admit right here and now, when I did sports years ago, I don't follow college basketball. Mm-hmm. Coach K. Yeah. Have you seen oh. the way he... Yeah. <laughs> Spells, it's Krasuski. It's not Krasuski, but. And I said Krasuski on the air, Coach Krasuski. I've like, screwed up a lot. I was a moron. But I tell you what, I, I'm not even going to name the TV station because it's not worth that, but uh, we have to do better. It's not the one I just mentioned, by no. the way. <laughs> we have to do better. I don't want to throw them under the bus. Right. Um, during their report last night on the forum at the Y, the reporter in a in a this is what g- kills me in a taped package that they tossed to this reporter said Caddo Sheriff Steve Pratter Caddo Sheriff Steve Pratter and somebody approved it put it in the package nobody said hey 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 hold up wait that's not how you that's say his name that's not how you say his name he's been prominent in this community for <laughs> 50 years yes <laughs> What's what's gone wrong? Where have the wheels come off the bus where that got on the air in a prominent news report on a local TV station where you can't pronounce the sheriff's name? And Aaron, it's not just local. No, it's not. I've seen, I've seen graphics on national news broadcasts mm-hmm. that were hideously wrong. right. And we had a guy from the office of, I don't know what it was, um, who called Caddo Parish in one of our newscasts a couple of weeks ago, Cato. Yeah. People, people, they, they don't check. They don't See, care. That's the thing. That, that's, I, you know, I do, I do voiceovers for TV and radio stations all over the country. Mm-hmm. And because I live in Cato Parish, right next to <laughs> Bajie City. <laughs> I, I, if I see a name I don't just immediately recognize, 
I will call. Check. Hey, how do you how do the locals say this? Because I don't want to come across as the Bagier city. I know. And I just don't know how I it put got, effort into it. How it got on the air. How no one in the cha- is there no more chain to check these yeah. things? Is it just do your report, we'll air it? And nobody I, I was I was bumfuddled. <laughs> is that a word, bumfuddled? I'm glad that's where you went. Oh, because I thought, <laughs> oh my god, did I just hear what I hit and I backed it up? Yep. Steve Pratter. Okay. Hope you have a good day, Pratter. Mmm, <laughs> unreal. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. You know, of course, we just set ourselves up. Oh, I know. We because, sc- and look, I, I'm going to screw up. And I said we screw up all the time, but that's a that's a little. Oh man! A, a message says, "Who is Sheriff?" And they misspelled Prater. I don't know if that was intentional. Who is Sheriff Pratter? Pratter. I'm. Yeah. I'm. It was a goof up that should have should have never got on the air. And, and anyway, it was a local a local reporter calling Steve Prater. Now, do you remember Pratter. the legendary? News break um, 30 years ago, Al Pierce. Oh, this yeah. Wing, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They pre-recorded those, mm-hmm. but that wasn't Al's fault. He, right. he said a, a wordy dirt mm-hmm. on the air, but Master Control queued up the wrong take take mm-hmm. on the news breaking and, play, and, and the play. wrong one. I say it Oops. was a mistake. I don't know. Yow. Yow. So, yeah. yeah, people are going to make mistakes. That's happened to me, too. Queued up the wrong newscast, and I said, I said, oh, shiz it. Let me start over. Well, oh, shiz it went out. Three, two, one. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, shiz it. Let me start over. Three, two, one. Yeah, that happened to me. No doubt about it. <sighs> if, if you uh, if you missed the interview with Clay Walker, very very good information. Uh, we'll replay that coming up uh, just after eight o'clock. One one. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one oh one seven FM and seven ten Keel. You just brought up a subject. Mm-hmm. Off, off. That I, I miss so much. What? Since being oh diagnosed diabetic. Because you know, as a as a mom of two boys, when oh, school is coming back, your your shopping habits change for what you you have to buy. And cereal is always a fast I love. Yeah, cereal, cold cereal. Mm-hmm. Oh. And when the kids are going back to school, cereal's easy in the morning. You can give them cereal, milk, and 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 that would be good. You don't. I mean, if you don't have time to cook, get up and watching cook them breakfast, the news and get a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Is that your favorite cereal? Oh, that would be, yeah. And then you know what? Actually, Raisin Bran Crunch. Oh, too. oh, love me. What's some yours, Raisin Ruben? Bran Crunch. Uh, I had to think on it for a while, and I love Raisin Bran Crunch, but my favorite is the the Reese's Puffs. 
Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, and Captain Crunch. Of course, That's this, mine. this this would describe or, or explain why I'm in the, situa- the health situation that I'm yeah. in. Ruben, <laughs> learn from my mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember the last bowl of cereal I had, but yeah. well, I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody else this because I'm probably right behind you, Mike. You take Captain Crunch. No, oh, no. Oh, and you kind of crunch him up a little bit. Yeah. You take. I can't believe I'm telling this secret because I'm probably the only one in the world who does this. Secret that involves Captain Crunch. What's going on? Captain Crunch. You take bluebell vanilla ice cream. Oh man! You sprinkle Captain Crunch on it. Oh man! Then you (laughs) so bad, and then you put some pecans, and then you put chocolate syrup. Yeah, that's diabetes in a bowl. Again, I'm following. (laughs) My teeth are thinking about it. It is so good. It is. I don't do it. I haven't done it in two or three years, but it. Oh man, Captain Crunch! You give a little oh. crunch to that. You got the chocolateiness. You got the sometimes no pecans, but you have the nut. Oh man, I miss cereal so much. And, you know, you, you really you you eat the bowl, then you go to your doctor. Yeah, that's kind of what you need to, to do. Doctor. Yeah, eat the bowl, go to the doctor. Captain Crunch is. You so just good might as well though. just put an insulin pump on your on yeah. your on just <laughs> just sign it up. Just, yeah. <laughs> Strap it on. Oh, but Captain Crunch, you can just eat a bowl of that. Just plain, just oh, delish. Just mm. nothing better. Mm-hmm. Canada Parish Assistant Administrator uh, brought some great points uh, about the uh, Juvenile Crime Forum that was held last night. Hear about that coming up after the local news. Mike and McCarty. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with us this morning. Caddo Parish. Let me, let me. I want to make sure I get this absolutely right. Assistant Administrator. That's not difficult. And by the way, congratulations because this is a new position for you. It Clay is. Walker. It is. Thank you. Thank you. I was uh, director of juvenile services for twelve years. Yeah, and I was uh, back in June promoted to the assistant administrator. Now, Aaron and I were at the meeting last night. Uh, I got there at five thirty. You brought up something. This is the the juvenile crime prevention meeting. Uh, it was you, Sheriff Prater, Police Chief Wayne Smith, and Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault on the panel. You brought up something to me that was very interesting, and about COVID and the COVID response and the numbers on the effect that sending all of the school children home for eighteen months. And, and, and the effect that had explained that a little bit, what you said last night. Sure, sure. Happy to. Um, for a number of children, particularly children in poverty, uh, if they can't afford to join Cabosa, they can't play Little League, they don't have, um, you know, a dance troupe, whatever, this is boys and girls, but um, if they can't do all of that, then then the, the school day and the professionals in the school building are their village. That's their access to, you know, coaches, assistant principals, the school resource officers, uh, just positive role models in their life. And so for 18 months at their home in COVID, they don't have access to that. And so So you've got an impressionable 14-year-old young boy that has, like you said, there was, and there were also some interesting figures about uh, parental involvement. Yeah. So unfortunately, what ends up happening is more 
children were vulnerable to gangs because mm-hmm. of that. So normally we have a number of kids that are vulnerable. If they don't have a father figure and they don't have that male role model in their life, they're going to be vulnerable to the 19-year-old on the street corner. Come COVID, when they're not in school for eight hours a day, they're on that street corner with that 19-year-old for yeah. two years, and that blows up our numbers in gangs. And, and we're, seeing, and we're seeing that now. That's what, and, and the whole country. I was saying last night, I'm on a Zoom meeting. There are 13 juvenile detention centers in Louisiana, and I'm on a Zoom meeting once a month with all of them and all 13 juvenile detention centers, guns, gangs, and social media. That's the problem that everybody's having. And you're And you're stressing over every day. Who do we let out to take in this next guy? I mean, that's a problem for everybody. It's a problem in a lot of detention centers. You know, when I say there's 13, that means whatever the math is on that, there's there's 50 plus uh, parishes that don't even have a juvenile detention center. So where do they send their kids? It's it's a stressor on everybody in the juvenile system to try to find. You know, when a kid does need to be locked up, where do we where do we put them? They didn't allow questions from the audience last night. What was your takeaway from last night's meeting do you think they're positive negative could have done things differently what was your takeaway i mean from my point of view so i care obviously this is my job i mean i care about this work i would have stayed there for five hours if people wanted to talk um it was i think a good start i think it was good information i think having the mayor the chief police the sheriff you're talking about you know a collective experience there and knowledge really where they could share some information but i think in an hour and a half it's tough to get the information across when it's complicated clay, um so clay, i thought it was a good start clay it's a you know it's a big problem when you look at the united way numbers of folks living in poverty or at that poverty level what what i forget the term they call it alice that yes we have a huge percent of our population of folks that if they have a, a mom and or dad in the home they, that that person or those people are struggling and they don't have time for the extra things for their children. But because our numbers in that group are so high, that's also a contributing factor. That is probably the contributing factor that we're dealing with is that you've got a single mom with a, a list of things to do that are 18 items long. And the first five are life and death. Their housing, their domestic violence, their substance abuse, that she's dealing with so many serious issues that are caused in part by poverty. And so getting the kids school uniform, getting them to school and the details that it takes to get a, a kid, you know, functional at school, uh, frankly, are just our second chair to, to her life and death things that she's dealing with. So we have a lot of children who are going to school and, and effectively, I mean, raising themselves what i deal with is single moms that are working two jobs so they're not home at three to help with reading and homework and all the other things that it takes okay that's a huge huge problem because you this is not your first rodeo it's not my first rodeo nor mike's we've been through this you know every year every other year we're gonna pray we're gonna you know lock more people up we're gonna have more police presence but we have to work on that other end, the things that we're talking about. What are some things that you suggest that you've been at the juvenile system for a long time? What are some things that we can do to help on that other end, to help with those moms that just can't read to their kids? Yeah, I, w- I would say, I mean, I, I appreciate the prayer meetings. I think we need, it's a, it's a, it's a both and. I need all of that because I think that inspires the community to come together. And so all of that is good, but I do agree you need the work on the other end. The work on the other end right now, I'll say, is the harbor. 
The Harbor is this one-stop shop that we're opening. It's a joint effort, the city of Shreveport, the school board, and the parish commission all coming together. Uh, Volunteers for Youth Justice runs it. It's a one-stop shop, and the bottom line is where that single mother can be referred for help. So if she has a list of 18 things on her list of things to do, she can get 10 of them done under one roof. And then she appreciates it. Because mm-hmm. if you're coming in and I'm, I'm I'm wagging my finger at her, you know, you need parenting classes, she's going to be defensive. When? She'll put up a, a wall up. Mm-hmm. But if she's walking in and I'm saying, look, I can help you. I can help with the domestic violence. I can help with the housing. I can help with food stamps. I can help with everything you need. Then she opens up and is more willing to accept the help and, and, and make some efforts on her end to, to better herself. We're talking with Clay Walker, Cata Parish Assistant Administrator. Can you hold on with us for a, another segment? Again, like last night, I got all the time you need. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll be back after the break. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. We're talking with Cato Parish Assistant Administrator Clay Walker in studio with Mike and McCarty. Uh, Carla Bunton, the Director for Compassion for Lives, they had several speakers last night that addressed the crowd. She said uh, a statement that I couldn't agree more with, that that they've discovered education is the key. And she gave some examples of, of success stories that they've gotten you know, 16, 17-year-olds out of uh, or, or young men out of CCC and been able to turn them around, get a job, and they've gotten their first apartment. But, you know, you know we, we got a message that said gangs are recruiting from in the home. These kids are being recruited in the fourth grade. We've got to start. How, how do you address that? Well, I would say, and Carla's fantastic. She works right in the trenches, and she knows the folks that we're, that we're talking about. Um, education is the key because once they see that light, once they see a path that they can take that's a healthier path, uh, the good news is I mean, a lot of these guys do take that. But, but what's a little sad and scary is they've not seen that before. They don't see a path that I work with fourth and fifth graders that their entire mindset is I'm not going to make it past 20. So there is no long-term planning, no long-term thinking. What is the point of getting a high school diploma so that I can work a minimum wage job? I can get a minimum wage job by dropping out in the 10th grade. So there's no – that they've got to see that light and they've got to see that path to to want to work toward that. And education is the one, what shines that light. There are a lot of folks, Clay, when talking to Clay Walker, he's the assistant Caddo Parish administrator, who say, um, you know, lock them up. Throw away the key. That'll keep all these criminals, you know, off the streets, and we'll solve this problem. That's the way to solve it. What do you say to that? Uh, one of the messages I was trying to get across last night is this is another part that I think is kind of a both and. We do need to lock up the guys that are pulling triggers, that are pulling guns, violent crime, that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, and, uh, you know, you don't take any joy in it, but that what is what prison is for. Got people that are committing violent crimes and that are unsafe on the streets do need to be locked up. Now, they do need good rehabilitation on the inside, so when they get out, they're better, but they do need to be locked up. The The point, though, is is that that alone won't solve the problem. We I've, I've been to several trainings around the country, and I've met with people from L.A. to New York to Chicago, 
And a hundred percent theme that I've learned from all these major cities is you cannot arrest your way out of this. Mm. So it's not a matter of lock them up and throw away the key and it's all going to get better. We do need to lock up the guys that are committing violent crimes. But more importantly, maybe we have to really focus on the younger kids for the prevention end. When you've got a population of roughly 20,000 children that are living in poverty, if we all we do is lock up, poverty will continue to supply more young offenders, and all we'll do is continue to lock up. Mm. You made a comment during the break. You said, you know, these 16- and 17-year-olds, I mean, we know they're knuckleheads. I was I, When I was 16, 17, my brain wasn't developed. It's still not fully developed, but you, you're not listening to adults. What is... What is you said prison isn't a deterrent anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. They, they look at it as a rite of passage now. Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of kids, prison is not the deterrent that, that maybe it used to be. Um, they see a lot of grown-ups in their lives that have been through time in prison, and so they don't see it as a stigma in the same way. Um, that is definitely one of the things we're dealing with. Uh, you know, again, if they're committing violent crimes, that's unfortunately the tool we're going to use because the public needs to be safe. But if we can reach them the, the one way at sixteen seventeen, find what they are interested in. They've got to decide when they want to make a change in their life. If you can find something positive they're interested in and, and, and offer them that path, th- they'll take it. Clay, there are people listening to you today saying, is there anything I can do? What can I do in yes. my little neck of the woods? There are a lot of things y'all mentioned last night. You need a lot of help. You, particularly, you need men, right? Yes, yes, 100%. We need more male mentor figures. We need role models for these young because primarily we are dealing with young men. Probably about 80% of the kids in juvenile are going to be our, our boys. Um, there are a lot of ways right now. I mean, v, Volunteers of America, Volunteers for Youth Justice, a lot of the programs we we're talking about last night. But I think the exciting news is the Shreveport Police are doing a strategic plan. The second goal of that plan is prevention. And in that plan that's rolling out right now, Assistant Chief Antoine White is in charge of that plan, and and he's going to roll out some things that we're going to do as a community. And what we're going to try to do is have some very specific ways that the community can get involved. At the end of the day, we're going to need to be able to put the 14-year-old that's having struggles, I need to put him on a baseball team. I need to put him in the Cub Scouts. I need Mm. to put him somewhere where he has positive peers and adult role models and we're gonna. It's gonna take volunteers to do that. It's you, gonna take. You said last night, and this is something that that just really hit me for some reason. Last night, they can't afford programs like Cabosa, and there's no transportation. If I won the lottery, mm-hmm. I would love to establish a program that would pay these fees for, and it doesn't have to be. You know, sports particularly. That's going to be a, a gateway for a, a lot, obviously. You know, uh, cabosa, uh, swimming, um, theater, um, you know. Guitar lessons. Yeah, dancing. Whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that they don't have access to. Several years that, ago, that I would love to be able to go. Yeah. Look, that is let's the, get you involved. That's the solution. Several years ago, I was at Booker T. Washington doing a listening session with the kids there, just hearing what's going on in their lives because I'm old and it's been a minute since I was in high school. <laughs> He's so, old. Yeah, I know. So they, uh, what I what I learned from those young men, I, I left that meeting with this clear message that there's nothing healthy for them to do in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. These guys that I was listening to were playing basketball at BTW. They were happy because they could play basketball. 
all of their friends that were not great athletes were on the street corners and they were dying. So mm. there was nothing for them to do. But then I go home and my wife says, you can't even put down your keys. We got to take the son here. You got to get the daughter there. Your, my mom's picking up the, yes. you know, all four grandparents were all transporting, you know, what it takes to get two kids to all those events. And I left that, you know, discussion with my wife realizing there's a ton to do for kids in Treeport. Mm, absolutely. But you got to have the entry fee mm-hmm. and the transportation. You yeah. bet. And these kids don't. And so without that, they don't have those mentors. I mean, all of the coaches and the ministers and the choir directors, and you're right, it's not just athletes, it's arts, it's dance, it's creative writing, whatever they're good at, whatever Mm -hmm. sparks their interest, if we can offer to them. And I think the good news is it's not going to take the lottery. Uh, Right Right. now, we're getting the city, the school board, the parish commission, the sheriff, the DA, the DCFS, everybody's coming to the table and saying, we've got to figure out a way. Maybe use our SPAR facilities, use community renewal, you you know, the friendship house, anything. Where can we get these kids access to healthy, you know, uh, recreational activities Mm -hmm. so they have those mentors? Clay Walker, thanks for coming in. 100%. Hope we'll do it again soon. Thank you so much. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. So what vaccines do your children need as they head back to school? We'll talk with Dr. Martha White coming up just after the break to find out exactly what you need to do. 101.7 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Dr. Martha White, uh, Region 7 Medical Director. Doctor, good morning. Happy Friday. You got it right. <laughs> wow, he was he was he was, I was surfing. I was studying. Yeah, I he was, was making sure. You. Thank you, Martha. Let me let me ask you. I don't I don't know if the rules are different. What we're a couple of weeks now away from school. I think August seventh for some. What are the requirements with regard to vaccines for children going back to school? So you know we have our infant requirements, which unfortunately. Um, we have low vaccination rates for our little little babies, you know, up to 12 months. They get them. At, we all remember our our, child, our children getting shots at two, four, six months, and then again at 12 months, mm-hmm. 18 months. Um, a lot of our children are not fully vaccinated on that schedule. By four, there's another round of vaccinations that they need, and those all have to be up to date in order to start school. Um, so there's a list of requirements. I can go through them all. It's a lot. It's, you know, they have to have their diphtheria, pertussis, um, and tetanus, their hepatitis vaccines, their polio, measles, mumps, and rubella, and their, and chicken pox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important that you see if you have a child starting school at four, that they are up to date with their vaccines. If they have to be four before they can get their four-year-old shot. How do you how do you check the the that? I mean, is it, are the records kept somewhere where you can go look for your child, your pediatrician? What if you've had some done in one state, or you know what I mean? What if there's been kind of a mix up, a mix on who's been doing them all? So, um, usually parents have a vaccination record if they've had them done somewhere else. We can put them into the Louisiana. Um, registry links is what it's called so that we can have you kept up to date from there on. We have a lot of, especially with Barksdale, 
we have a lot of people who may have a variety of places they got shots, and we can organize that and put it into a simple shot record for you. Um, and it, your pediatrician can do that. The health units can do that. Family practice docs, any of those providers can help you get that accomplished. Now, if you have a youngster going back to school or just starting school, you can do the shots at the health units. Are they from completely free for everyone? So the health units really do vaccines um, only for children who are VFC. So VFC requirements are that you're 18 or under, that you have either no insurance or underinsured, meaning your vac- your insurance doesn't cover vaccines. Um, there's a very small amount of vaccine for um, people who have insurance, which that's really new for us. We have a very, like, very small amount. So you might be able to call and get an appointment for those um, doses. Really the best place if you have insurance that covers your vaccine is to call your primary care provider, your pediatrician, your family practice doc, or, you know, David Raines, any of Mm -hmm. those places as well. Now, lawmakers were talking about um, changing the law with regard to students that are in school and exemptions. What are the exemptions right now? If you, I, I know you have religious exemptions for vaccines, and I believe you also have uh, medical exemptions. Is that still the law? You still, you still have both of those exemptions. That's correct, and it requires. So, if you have a medical issue, for example, that. Your doctor feels really that you should not have a certain vaccine for a medical issue. They simply write you a letter that that you take to the school. If you have religious reasons, you can simply write a letter and explain why you have uh, are requesting a religious exemption, and those will be accepted. And um, we do really want to encourage parents to, if their children are able to have the vaccine, not for a medical issue, of course, that's something we don't want to mess with, but really to consider vaccinating your children because it really does help all of us stay healthy if we vaccinate our children, Mm -hmm. not just our own children. You know, there's the whole anti-vax crowd. Um, I I mean, what do you say to those (laughs) people? I heard her grumbling. What was she mumbling? (laughs) She was grumbling. What do you say? What? What do you say to those folks? So, you know, everybody has a right to how they feel about something and to their opinions. I hope they really read the reputable science. The vaccines that we use are highly tested. They have excellent data. They're very safe. There was a a study that came out several, several years ago from a gentleman who, you know, that started the whole idea of autism. That which led to this whole anti-vaccine movement to begin. And that study was completely debunked. And in fact, the study was removed from the literature. It was found to be so untrue. Mm. So um, a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. You can have your opinions, but just really try to make sure you're getting your sources from a reputable place, that you're really reading the science and understanding, because it is so very important. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember some of these vaccine preventable diseases. You know, Haemophilus influenza, they that vaccine came out right as I was starting on the war on the um wards in the hospital and we used to see 
a lot of babies with H flu in uh, meningitis who, if they survived, a lot of them lost their hearing because mm. of the treatment for it. And okay. so, and then now we never see that. Right. It's gone. But, so, but regardless of how one might feel about the and I don't even want to say the word, <laughs> the COVID vaccine, you can't dispute what vaccines have done when you look at polio, mumps, you know, the MMR vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously they they have served, they've eradicated certain things. Yeah. And, right. and so, I, you know, again, regardless of how you feel about the, the, mm-hmm. the, the COVID vaccine, and, and people, yeah, I don't even want to go there. Uh, that that vaccine's not required for school, correct? You don't have no. to have the COVID vaccine to go back to school this year. No, you don't. Okay, and um, and that's really important because that was something that was put on the table and quickly taken off um, because people had such strong feelings about it, and um, and and that that's great. You need to make your decisions for your children, but you also, again, like I said. Many times in the times we talked, we can't just think about ourselves. We have to think about our community. And, you know, we saw some polio cases up in New York because vaccination rates have dropped around the country. And so we're really trying to encourage people to to really talk to your pediatrician, talk to your doctors, make sure you have good information because it is so very important mm-hmm. to not allow these diseases to come back. We don't want to see polio again. We don't want to see yeah. um, meningitis in these little bitty babies or, or pertussis. If you have ever seen a baby with pertussis, it's just horrendous. Mm. Most of us uh, of a certain age have a scar on our yeah. left shoulder. Yeah, we do. What What is that from? I know it was vaccines that we got in school. The big I remember that big gun, that shot they put on our shoulder. So some of us got um, smallpox vaccines. Some of us got, um, uh, you know, we used to go and get, I I can't remember. I got that too. I I think it was a cocktail, wasn't it? Maybe a cocktail. It was. was, And and it's like really um, interesting that we all got it with the same gun. Lord have mercy. Got to do next week. We got to talk about this heat with you because we are headed for, it looks like five or six straight days of 100 degree temperatures, which is for our area, that's a health risk, definitely. Dr. Martha White, thanks for your time. Thank you. And please make sure that you check your vaccination status as soon as possible so you can know whether your kids need something. It's hard to get an appointment sometimes at a short date. Dr. White, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank y'all. 1017. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you have plans this weekend. I'm going to see if this works. I, I'm going to try this. Okay. Okay. You, because you can hear this this weekend. <laughs> He's about to hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's as much as I can play. Ruins panicking again. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yes, we will be playing at Tasha's Tavern tomorrow night starting at 9 with our uh, opening act, Aub- Aubrey Lane Stall. You guys have an opening act. Oh, yeah. Y'all oh, are, yeah. So, y'all are so big. And if you don't know, your band is called... Opossumar Art Thou. And y'all been... How long have y'all been doing this? Six years, five years, something like that. Wow. 
And it's you and a couple of your nutty and buddies. Me and all my all my weird and rowdy <laughs> friends. Uh, okay. We, we do uh, what we call dirtbag country music, and uh, it's a it's a rough <laughs> and rowdy time. Classification a- ad- before. Ad- adults only. <laughs> Have a fun old adults only time. Definitely adults only. Yes. Is it a little sing along too? Some people know the tunes and sing oh, along yeah. with you. Oh yeah. Okay. We we have one that is a Pete Seeger style sing along that I can't tell you any of at all. Nothing. <laughs> Not even a little. You have a trailer park There's song. One, What's that called? Uh, the Great Meth Lab Explosion the in Great 1998. Meth- yeah. 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 The double wide bar. <laughs> double wide bar. Party oh. at the dollar store. My favorite is Dirt Track Trophy Queen. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was just playing a little bit. What's of. wrong with Why can't we play that? Don't play any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play any of that one. It get, it goes south real quick. Oh, <laughs> like, no, wanna, no, 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 like, no. Cut your mic off. Okay. <laughs> now, your, Tasha's Tavern, where is that? It is. Uh, it's it's next to the Cub and Round Bar. Okay, it's, it's in that little cluster. Okay, there. and it's no cover. It's free. No cover. Free show. And what time do you get up there and start your thing? Saturday we'll, night. We'll probably start at ten tomorrow night. Yeah. Ten o'clock. At ten. Yeah. Come on. Show starts at nine. They need everyone inebriated first. <laughs> I think. I <laughs> think you need that's, everybody. Juiced. That's the trick. We, we sound better if, if if you're a little little lit. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I was mowing my yard, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty funny. <laughs> Man, so it's tomorrow night, Tasha's Tavern. I think the door's open like at 7 if you want to yes, come in and start, absolutely. you know, start uh, drinking some cocktails. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. And then Opossum, we'll where aren't thou? That's yep. exciting. Yep. Well, have fun. Mm-hmm. Oh man, catching we're, up on some F one this weekend. We're gonna be, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna do our best. <laughs> I'm not far from there if you need a driver. Just oh, absolutely. Give me a holler. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you know I'm right down the street. So, well, heck yeah, I'll give you a call around one in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, call Mike. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be tough. I turn my phone off at. Night. Oh lord. Looks, looks like I'm catching a lift home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend. One hundred one seven FM seven.